Hello and bonjour from France. If you don't know me already, my name is KJ Pugh and I am presently the lead pastor of Emmanuel International Church Turn, which is in the 17th arrondissement of Paris. I regret that I'm not with you in person to deliver this sermon, the times being what they are, but this way it does feel like we're making a bit of history together. I don't know if any other church in Alabama has ever had someone preach in view of a call before from Paris. Until this year, the idea of such a thing happening seemed pretty far-fetched, wouldn't you say? But then we do serve a God who routinely does take pleasure in doing the far-fetched. He writes the twists into history and into our stories that no one saw coming. To us, it often looks like God is putting the pieces together in a way that seems far from straightforward, just to have us stand back in awe at the end and marvel at what he has done. I think this is one of those cases. Uh, one very small unexpected twist, one piece, small piece I didn't understand completely how it would fit in at first, is what I'm preaching today. Last Sunday was the 100th anniversary of Alberta Baptist Church, and Kyle Bryant led that celebration by preaching Hebrews chapter 12. God, of course, knew in advance what I didn't know about Kyle's plan because it fit in so well with my own for this Sunday. We closed out the first century of ABC by looking at Hebrews chapter 12 and the great cloud of witnesses from our past. Let's begin the second century of ABC now by looking at Hebrews chapter 13 and the kind of people we want to be for our future. So if you have a Bible, please take it and find the book of Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 16. As you're turning there, let me do something that I normally wouldn't do and take a bit more time to introduce myself. Because if you're new to ABC, then you probably don't know me very well. First off, my name is KJ, which stands for Keith Jr. Unless you're very new to ABC, you probably know Keith Sr. already. And Teresa, Mama T, uh, my parents, uh, my, my kids affectionately call them Big Daddy and Mama T. You may call her Sweet T if you know her. Uh, my wife, Lynn, and I, We'll have been married 17 years this May. We have two kids, Ella and James. Ella was eight years old when we left Tuscaloosa, and James was five. This year, they are turning 15 and 12. And no, we are not mentally prepared at all to think about Ella starting to drive at 15. Not at all. Lynn and I were 31 and 32 when we left you and said goodbye to Alabama. Now we're going on 39 and 40. We've given most of our 30s to church planting in Europe. The journey has certainly had its ups and downs and hard lessons learned along the way, but we are so thankful for these years. And we are thankful for you, Alberta Baptist Church. You have been our main supporter and encourager and prayer warrior through all of it. 
you have been the one primarily holding the rope for us so that today in North Yorkshire, there is a vibrant church of a hundred people worshiping Jesus and making him known across the Vale of York. What began as a small gathering of a dozen Christians and the only evangelical church for 150 square miles is now in the process of calling a second pastor in order to plant a second church in a needy neighboring town. Through your love and support and prayer and encouragement to keep going, you had a hand in all that work. You had a stake in all the fruit that is now ripening. Also today in the city of Paris, there is a new church, one that added members and baptized new believers during a pandemic year. Just this past year, we've seen new leaders raised up from within EIC turn and healthy structures put in place that will carry on our witness here well into the future, we pray. You've had a part in all that. I want you to know that. You've had a part in all that as you've enabled us to be here serving Jesus. We are so incredibly thankful for you. And we are overwhelmingly grateful to God for the years he gave us, both in England and in France. We will be sad to see this season end, but the sweetest end it could possibly have would be for God to give us back to you again, who have walked with us through all of this. We owe you, ABC. We owe you, I owe you a debt of honor and of love and of gratitude. None of us could have foreseen all the circumstances building to this point and some painful circumstances in the mix, certainly, but I cannot fail to trace God's hand and see how the past, including the hard things, has been part of his preparation. His preparation for us and for our collective future. So, you might be wondering, what might that future look like? How might God be shaping and preparing us, preparing ABC, for the next century of service? However the church chooses to answer that question, I hope that what we see here in Hebrews chapter 13 will be a big, big part of the answer. Uh, let's read verses 12 through 16, and then I'll pray for us as we seek God's heart for our future. This is Hebrews chapter 13, beginning verse 12. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would 
enlighten the eyes of our hearts now that we might see that we have no lasting city here, that we are exiles who are to be full of thanksgiving to our king who is coming, whose kingdom is near. May we see a a future, a joyful future for us, uh, and may Alberta uh, embrace and love uh, the days that are to come more than any days that that have been passed. But we ask this for the glory of our King Jesus in his name. Amen. Well, one of the big things that God has taught us through our church planning venture in Europe is what it's like to live as immigrants and as exiles. We are very obviously foreigners here. And that comes out in nearly every social situation, every trip to the grocery store, every time we turn on the television. I had to pick up Noreen from the hospital today, and it was me bumbling about for for about 15 minutes before I found her, uh, trying to figure my way around. It's obvious that we are outsiders here. Uh, there are constant reminders that we are not at home. Now, there are disadvantages to this, as well as some surprising advantages. As Americans living in England, we quickly discovered that although we spoke the same language, we used different dictionaries. In order to communicate well, we had to adapt our language and reconsider all of our word choices. We had to figure out this English concept of class and how the the system worked. And while not fitting into that system ourselves, we had to regularly subvert people's media-reinforced expectations that we were all cowboys who wore hats and carried pistols around with us as Americans. You just think about it, to the to the health and safety conscious Englishman, you may not realize this, but America is still very much the wild west. <laughs> I, upon reflection, it probably didn't help that I always seemed to have a knife on me whenever one was needed in England, but you, you can't subvert all expectations, can you? No. Uh, In France, our experience of life as an immigrant went up to the next level, I would say. Uh, Now we had to deal with another language, the French language and the French love of bureaucracy. The, The prefecture is the local government office to which every foreigner has to regularly report. It makes the DMV look like the Chick-fil-A of bureaucratic efficiency. I'm telling you. Uh, We recently read a book from the 1930s where an American describes the prefecture as being full of officials casting disapproving looks at the nearest foreigner who chanced to have asked for something he was forced by law to have but could seldom obtain. I'll tell you, nearly 90 years have passed and very little has changed. We would go into the prefecture, our prefecture appointments, with every piece of paper we had to our name, often needing triplicates and official French translations of those things. The agent at the window would ask for one thing, and I would dig it out and hand it over, and they would look at it disappointedly before asking for the next thing, be disappointed that I handed that over. The process would continue until they asked for that one thing you didn't have and they could barely contain their glee (laughs) when they hit upon that one thing and said, I'm sorry, you have to come back again later when you have it. There are many disadvantages to being an immigrant. 
and living life on the outside. Because normal French people have no idea what it's like because they live on the inside. They're citizens of this country. Just like I don't have an idea of what the immigration process is like for entering the U.S. because, as a citizen, I never have to deal with it. There are clearly some hard things about being a foreigner in another land, but there are also some advantages. When I walk into the prefecture, I have an instant connection with people from Africa, with people from Asia, because we're all going through the same ordeal together. Bearing the cross of French bureaucracy. We're, we're all bearing it upon our shoulders and the looks on one another's faces show that we are. When I walk into my church in Paris, I have an instant connection in Christ supremely, yes, but also in the shared reality that we are all foreigners and exiles here. The Syrian refugee sits down beside the Filipino washerwoman who is beside the Moroccan student who is sitting next to the Mauritian lawyer, who is talking to the Italian musician. All these people are together, and we are all gloriously one in Christ Jesus. There is something beautiful about how the gospel brings people together from every tribe and tongue and nation and makes them a family. And there is something beautiful about how being an immigrant enables you to see the world through foreign eyes. You get to enjoy and marvel at all those things which the locals just take for granted. To the English and the French, those castles have always been there in the background and are hardly worth noticing. But to us, they were delightful and striking. Normal things become extraordinary when you see them through foreign eyes. Being an immigrant has both its advantages and disadvantages, but on the whole, for us, it has been so good. It has been so good for us to experience life on the outside because we follow a Savior who knows that experience far, far better than we ever will. Jesus knows life on the outside better than all of us do. Look again with me at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Look at verse 12. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Jesus was heaven's expat sent to earth. He saw the world through foreign eyes more than anyone else ever could. Although God made the world through him, Jesus came into his own, but his own, the world, did not receive him, but sought to disown him. He was misunderstood and pushed to the outside. He was understood and was hated for it by the religious and cultural elites. He was made to suffer outside the gate, pushed to a corner where he might be conveniently crucified. Let's not forget, church, that all of this was by God's design. It was his plan. It wasn't an accident. Jesus intentionally set us an example of suffering on the outside as an outsider. More than just setting an example, this is essential to Jesus' mission itself. Verse 12 tells us, verse 12 says that he set apart people for God by his suffering outside the gate. 
So if this is our king's example to us and his great work, it should have an impact on who we are as his people, shouldn't it? It should have an impact on who we are as his church. That's exactly what we see next in verse 13, the impact this should have. Look at verse 13. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. King Jesus was on the outside, and those who follow him must be prepared to be on the outside as well, bearing the world's reproach. C.S. Lewis remarked on how we naturally desire the opposite. We want to be on the inside. We want to be on the inside, whether it's at school or in business or in politics or in society. We naturally want to be in the inner ring of things. Lewis said that this quest, this quest of the inner ring, to be on the inside will break your hearts unless you break it. It'll break your hearts unless you break it. But if you break it, a surprising result will follow. You will find real freedom. You will find true friendship. Your life will actually make a bigger impact on others than if you had schemed and jockeyed your way into being on the inside. This shouldn't surprise us because this is the direction of travel that Jesus set for those who would follow after him. We follow after Jesus and that takes us outside. It takes us outside the camp. Outside, accepting the world's reproach for not jumping on their bandwagons as they roll along. My family and I have lived a long time now in places where Christians are very much on the outside. We are the weird ones in Europe. We are the few, the happy few, we band of brothers living on the outside. We are a minority, yes, but we are a missional minority. We are like small islands in a sea of shipwrecks, trying to save and pull ashore the masses of humanity adrift and drowning. Or another image that I've come to identify with as well, the church is like an embassy. We often have to go to the embassy. The church is like an embassy of the king in a foreign land. As workers in the embassy, we both live as foreigners in the world but we also live as ambassadors for the king that we represent. We want to live winsomely and well because our conduct reflects on the king and kingdom that we've come from. This is what I want us to prepare for as a church, ABC, to be a missional minority, seeking to show the world around us how good it is to live under the reign of King Jesus, a king who often calls us to join him on the outside, bearing the reproaches of the world. Why? Verse 14 tells us, why? For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Verse 14 expresses the mindset of an exile. Do you see it there? Here we have no lasting city. We we are seeking our real home, which is just beyond the next bend. Our family was in the UK during the big Brexit vote of 2016. 
Uh, we followed all the buildup, all the debates, and all the aftermath. To this day, people will say that they are still f- left psychologically reeling from that referendum. It changed the perceptions of their country, of who they thought they were as a nation, of who they wanted to be as individuals. But to us, political exiles that we were, all the societal torrents rolled off of us like water off of a duck's back. Why? Because there we had no lasting city. And you can see why, can't you? In in our shoes, you would have felt the same thing. The tides of our time don't batter us about like they do others because we see ourselves to be exiles. Christian, you are an exile. The things that consume others shouldn't consume you because here you have no lasting city. We live as aliens and strangers, the scripture says. And this has a surprising effect on us. Instead of making us feel pushed aside and oppressed, it makes us feel grateful and glad. To see that, just follow the train of thought in our Hebrews passage. In verse 13, what's the outcome of being an outsider? Verse 13, and a foreigner without a city? Verse 14, The answer for the Christian is in verse 15. Therefore, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. You would think that going outside the camp and being an exile in this world would be a fearful thing, but it is not. It is a freeing thing. We are actually freed to enjoy the world we have now all the more when we know that this isn't the only one that we will get. I was recently reading an article by Tim Keller as he was reflecting on his battle with cancer and the possibility of his life and ministry being cut short. He said it's taking staring his own death in the face to make this surprising and encouraging discovery. He discovered that the less we attempt to make this world into a heaven, the more we will be able to enjoy it. In other words, the less we look to this world to fulfill all of our longings, the more we will find it to be delightful. The more we live like exiles, like we have no lasting city here, the more we will be able to enjoy the temporary gifts that God gives us here. The more we embrace life as foreigners, the more grateful we will be for every small kindness we receive from the Lord while here in exile. The more we adopt the mindset of pilgrims here, the more thanksgivings we will celebrate in our hearts day by day. If I could strike one note now for what I would like ABC to be for the next 100 years, it would be this that ABC would be a thankful church, a thankful church, a thankful church who is continually offering up the fruit of lips who give thanks to God. I want ABC to be a home for grateful exiles, grateful exiles who are not at home in this world, but who also enjoy the world much more because they know it is fading and passing away. 
Just like immigrants, we want to see the world through new eyes, through the gospel lenses of heavenly pilgrims on their way to the lasting city. So we don't expect to have the perfect now, do we? Even in the church, we don't expect to have the perfect now. Alberta Baptist will never be the perfect church. But we can be an imperfect outpost where exiles can joyfully work together while awaiting the return of the king who will set all things right. Because when the king does return, we want to be found diligently delighting ourselves in him and in his work and calling the world around us to do the same. I'm more and more, as the days go by, I'm more and more convinced of this. What the world needs right now are joyful Christians. Joyful Christians delighting to praise the Lord they know and love in spite of the cultural currents and their present circumstances. Your critical, scoffing neighbors desperately need to see you out loving and out rejoicing them before they will begin to scratch their heads and wonder, have you found something that they're missing? That's why we should all want ABC to be known as a thankful church. It's for the sake of our witness as well as our worship. Because the Christian life is both. Both witness and worship, both word and deed. And that's exactly what we see in verse 16. Look at verse 16. It says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. As a church, We want the grateful worship of our hearts to overflow in practical acts of service and love. We want those acts to overflow to those around us, to those in our immediate community, which I I might now start calling Alberta City, reverting to the old name after our history lesson last Sunday. I love that. It's Alberta City. I've... I've long thought that ABC has shown a lot of intentionality in doing good and in sharing with the community outside the church's door. We want to minister in the word and indeed to the community outside of the church. But also, we want to minister to the world that God is bringing to us. Just down the road is what I'm going to call the premier university in our state, which draws people from all over the world. We want to be a people who extend Christ's welcome to the world that has come to our doorstep. One of the areas where God has granted me a lot of experience over these past few years is in establishing and shepherding an international church culture. Just last week, Last weekend, we met up with a French lady, uh, and we were asking her about how she became a Christian. She was an exchange student who, of all the places in the world, was sent to a small town in Mississippi. A family took her in and introduced her to their church, and Christ used that to change forever the course of her life. By God's grace, 
I want that to be a story we see play out at Alberta Baptist many, many times over. I would love ABC to be the place in town that internationals know they would find the warmest welcome. They know that they won't be on the outside because we are a church of exiles, aliens, and outsiders whose culture and scope and reach is increasingly global. So we want to do good and share with the community outside our door and with the world that God is bringing to our doorstep, as well as the world we must go out to in order to reach. Wherever the Lord takes our family, we want to maintain connections with the churches that we've planted in the past. If called back to Alberta, we want to build bridges to the church planting fields we've been in in Europe. We want to continue our connection with God's work in England and in France and see God weave together all the bits of the story. What might that look like? You might be asking. I'm asking the same question. What might that look like? Well, it might look like sending you. It might look like creating pipelines at ABC where we prepare students to take their first job in Europe and serve a church there. It might look like training pastors, worship leaders, future missionaries to serve in international churches, taking a year like Ariadna did, serving with us here in France. It might look like business people taking short trips to help with church plant feasibility studies in major global cities. We've seen that happen too. It might look like ABC regularly sending out church planting residents to gain ministry experience in post-Christian contexts, like in Europe. It might look like connecting you directly with a church that you can come uh, alongside and just be a good member, advancing the church's mission for a season. What I would have given for just a handful of you to be with me in England or in France. I've said that many times to myself. You don't know how valuable you are, how valuable you would be in helping an infant church get off the ground here. I don't know what the future looks like, but I hope the years ahead will prove ABC to be a thankful church, doing good and sharing with the community in Alberta City, with international, the international community in Tuscaloosa, and with the wider world in Europe and beyond. With a laser-sharp focus on the gospel of grace, ABC can be a joyful light piercing through whatever cultural fog might darken the next 100 years. That's who we can be. We can be an island of peace and welcome in the midst of the world's unkind storms. Together, we can spur one another on to love and good deeds, equipping the next generation to be grateful exiles who enjoy Jesus in all things. I'd count it a privilege and an honor to serve you in this Alberta Baptist Church and to be a worker with you for your greater joy. But always remember, your hope is not in a pastor. 
Your hope is not in men. Men will fail you. And there will be moments in which I will fail you. Your hope is not in your next senior pastor. Your hope is in God. The God who revealed himself in flesh and who died to redeem you from all your failures. Trust in Jesus. Love Jesus. Believe wholeheartedly and unashamedly in him. Then you will find that all will be well and all manner of things will be well. Let's pray together. Father, I ask as the church now considers their future, Lord, may it be a bright one. May the church be an island drawing people in from the storm. May we be a lighthouse shining the light of Christ. May we throw out the welcome mat and welcome in the alien and stranger in exile because we are those people in this world as well. We are following a Christ who suffered outside the camp. May we be a group of thankful and joyful exiles who journey along this pilgrim way together, uh, sharpening one another, equipping one another for your good work in your world. May you equip Alberta Baptist to this end for your glory. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. As we part now, let me leave you with a benediction from Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Now, the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, Alberta Baptist Church. Until we meet again, I bid you adieu.